what does it mean to trust the process? And why don't we freaking do it? Because here's the deal as high achievers, as perfectionists, as um, uh, strivers, as people who always want to be the best in the room, but they're way too overwhelmed to ever, ever put their foot forward and they feel like they're procrastinating and shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Why do we never trust the process? It all boils down to that idea of control. Perfectionists are kings, queens, sovereigns of control. What is up, sweet, beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of Life Coach Baker Podcast, where we discuss any and all things perfectionism, high achieving, productivity, how to love ourselves just so imperfectly and beautifully, and honestly, how to live that imperfect life in the 21st century. It is a question that is plaguing me every single week, and today we're going to be talking about something very much in alignment with how do we live that imperfect life? How do we learn how to trust ourselves? How do we learn how to trust the process? It's almost like that's the name of the episode. But like always, my name is Nicole Baker. I am your host. I am a coach for high achieving perfectionists, a recovering recovering perfectionist myself. I'm also an international speaker and yeah, a podcast host. Hmm, I wonder why. But before we even dive into today, I kind of want to go uh, off script, if I'm being honest, a lot of you don't know I use scripts, not scripts. I use an outline. I'm going totally off outline here. And that is because right before I sat down to do this episode, I was in the bathroom. I was doing my hair. I was blow drying it. I was curling it. I was doing all the things and getting ready for the day, knowing that I have a beautiful, huge masterclass later on today. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, you'll be listening to this episode a few weeks after the fact, but it's something I'm, I'm, blown away by the interest by blown away doesn't even begin to cover it. I'm I'm absolutely floored, shocked, slightly horrified, but in the best way, <laughs> how many people are so invested in this. To give some context, the last masterclass that I launched, um, we had 70 people sign up and it was uh three secrets for productivity that will change your life, something like that. It was it was about productivity. And I was blown away that seven 70 people had signed up. That was like a massive amount of people to me for, for a masterclass. Prior to that, we were staying in the thirties. And before that I was barely even launching masterclasses because my very first one had one person signed up and that was my mom. Um, love her very much. I, I appreciate her, her support, but let me tell you, that was definitely a blow to the ego. So To see this one today, last time I checked was last night, and we have 207 people signed up, blows my mind away. But it also makes me realize how important this topic is. And what we're talking about in the masterclass is how to create free time with still honoring that high achiever mindset that we know and love. And as a result, I was getting ready this morning. and. I was listening to a podcast and a question went off in the show that sent me down one of the most amazing downloads I've ever had in my life. 
And when I say download, I mean like the universe, God, creation, my own brain, whatever you want to believe here. I'm I'm in the realm of that. I, I truly don't know what this could have been, but universal connection. I, I do not know what it could have been. And I'm not a super woo-woo person. You guys know me. But I had this just like download outpouring of what does it mean Actually, I even have the question with me. I'm just going to pull them up because it just, it, it shaped, I, I, I don't say this dramatically. I, I do really, truly mean this. I feel like this question that then sent me on a series of 50 other questions is going to be the question that changed my life. And the question that I heard was, what is the line between self-acceptance and complacency? I'm going to say that again, because it took me about three or four lessons to really get it. What is the line between self-acceptance and complacency? And so often as high achievers, especially perfectionistic high achievers, which I would argue most high achievers are, they just don't call it being a perfectionist. They call it being busy and stressed and the best and whatever, a striver, however you want to call it. We so often, when we're in that mindset, fear complacency. We fear slowing down. We fear creating free time. I mean, pulling it into the masterclass that like all clicked for me this morning. We fear slowing down. We fear self-love and acceptance because holy shit, what if it makes us complacent? We fear gratitude. I see this all the time in my clients because one of the first things that many of them uh, work on with me is starting a gratitude practice. And that's not just like, oh, it's like my blanket prescription. It really depends on the person. It just happens that I coach a lot of very similar personality types. But a lot of them fear getting grateful because they're fearful that it's going to make them complacent. It's going to make them realize that they don't have to try really hard. It's going to make them realize that they don't have to push to 110% every single day. So the other questions that immediately were like, boo, 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 boo in my head were, how do we manage self-acceptance without going into the fear of becoming complacent and mediocre? I'm going to say that again. How do we manage self-acceptance without going into the fear of becoming complacent and mediocre? What is the line? This is question number two. What is the line between being a high achiever and a striver and not falling into self-hatred and perfectionism? Holy God, this is the this is one of the questions that made me go, ooh, my brain, my brain had a moment this morning of genius, <laughs> like absolute genius. What is the line between being a high achiever and a striver and not falling into self-hatred and perfectionism? Because for so many of us, that high achieverness, that constant wanting of more, 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 next goal, next goal, next goal, next level, next level, make it perfect, make it better, make it better, make me better, is all from a place of lack. It's from a place of I'm not good enough yet, but that that goal, that end result, that level, that will finally make me good enough. That will finally make me successful. That will finally make me feel free. That will finally make me happy. And it never does. And there's some people, I know there's people listening who are like, but mine will. No, I'm sorry. I hate to be that asshole right now, but it is true. There's actually a neurological reason that, to be honest, I, I'm i going to go into in the masterclass today. Maybe I'll share it on a future episode, but there's a reason why we are programmed not to believe, thanks to homeostasis, this is a little teaser, that we're programmed to believe that this thing's going to change our life forever. And it never does. It just resets us. 
So, so for so many of us, there's this self-hatred behind this. There's a self, I mean, perpetuating shame and anger and frustration that says, I can't believe I'm not there yet. So what is the line between being that high achiever, being that striver, being that human of excellence? Like, let's be real and not falling into self-hatred and perfectionism. And the last question that flew into my head this morning that I feel is needed to be shared is how do we as high achievers manage daily self-acceptance while simultaneously honoring our striving and goal-driven nature? How do we as high achievers manage daily acceptance, daily acceptance, daily acceptance, not weekly, not monthly, not quarterly, not every once in a while, daily acceptance while simultaneously honoring that striving, goal-driven nature. This question is the one that I need to sit on for years, days, months to come. And I I think that this is going to be a future episode, but I kind of wanted to tease it because to be honest, teasing is not really the right word. I I want to hear from you all. I want to hear from you all the answer to these questions, and I'll put them in the show notes But I would love, I would love for you to send me an email. Um, Hello at lifecoachbaker.com. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. Or hell, if you're more of like a talk person, send me a DM on Instagram, that little talk to text, or send me an audio recording via email. I don't care if you're someone who wants to talk this out, if you're someone who wants to write it out. If you want to just write a few words, if you want to write me a fucking novel, I don't care. I really, I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated doesn't even cover it. I feel obsessed with these questions right now in a best way, in the best way obsessed, like in the way of like, oh my God, I might've just cracked the code as to why we hate ourselves all the time. That like brings tears to my eyes. So again, I'm going to put these questions in the show notes. I would love to hear your thoughts, your answers, your replies. It cannot even be like a a cracking the code. It can just be like, hey, here's another question for you to throw in the pile. Or here's another thing for you to think about here or something to fight on. I'm I'm honestly, I'm, I'm deep into like that research mindset around these questions. So I would love it if you guys could send me answers or send me more questions or send me thoughts, whatever that is. I'm gonna read through the questions again, just so you have them fresh in your mind. And if you wanna pause this episode and immediately respond while it's fresh in your mind, I would strongly recommend doing so. Um, unless you're driving, please don't do that. Uh, but question number one, where is the line between self-acceptance and complacency? This is the one I heard on the episode that I'm that sent me down the rabbit hole. Where is the line between self-acceptance and complacency? Number two, similar, how do we manage self-acceptance without going into the fear of becoming complacent and mediocre? How do we manage self-acceptance without going into the fear of becoming complacent and mediocre? Number three, what is the line between being a high achiever, being a striver, and not falling into self hatred and perfectionism. And number four, how do we as high achievers manage daily self-acceptance while simultaneously honoring our striving goal-driven nature? One more time than that last one, because it's a long one. How do we as high achievers manage daily self-acceptance while simultaneously honoring our striving and goal-driven nature? Now, I really, I, I, I have my first initial thoughts and I actually on this sheet that I'm looking at right now that has all these questions written on it, I have 
looks like about 10 paragraphs of my own, just like absolute word vomit thoughts written down, but I want to wait to share them because I want to hear from you all without the influence of what my thoughts are on this. So, um, again, questions are in the show notes, please email me or DM me on Instagram, your answers or questions or thoughts or comments or concerns or whatever it is around these. Cause I, I really want to know, and we're, we'll, we'll do an episode around this coming up. Cause I I'm, I'm really dead serious and feeling like this is something that just cracked a hole in the universe. Like when it comes to high achievers. So today it's a similar topic, maybe less crack the hole in the universe, but much more attainable, achievable. There's much more like step one, step two, step three is behind it. And that is around trusting the process. What does it mean to trust the process? And why don't we freaking do it? Because here's the deal as high achievers, as perfectionists, as, um, uh, strivers, as people who always want to be the best in the room, but they're way too overwhelmed to ever, ever put their foot forward. And they feel like they're procrastinating and shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Why do we never trust the process? It all boils down to that idea of control. Perfectionists are kings, queens, sovereigns of control. They always want to be in control because control is safe. Control is so safe because when you're a perfectionist, you are constantly controlling your output. You're constantly controlling your work ethic. You're constantly trying to be the best in the room. I always think about it this way. If I, not if, when I was in group projects, I would always be the person who is the leader. And for me, that always meant like, ooh, like, you know, maybe I'll get like the most recognition from the teacher and stuff like that. Such a perfectionist mindset thought, but it's true. However, what it also meant is I got to be in control. I got to be the driver of how this would work. And people could, you know, present things to me and I got to include or I didn't have to include them because I was leader. Now that sounds really shitty and that sounds like a bitch move, but to be honest, I know I'm not the only one listening to this who's done this or who's thought about doing it. And It all boiled down to the fact that I did not trust, maybe not so much the process, but I didn't trust the people around me. I trusted myself because I knew my work ethic. Mm, I didn't trust myself. I trusted my work ethic. That's very different. I trusted my work ethic. I trusted my ability to control a situation. I trusted my um, ability to make something shiny and beautiful and awesome and perfect. And I got so good at this. I got so good at being in control that it became not even a habit. It became my default nature and becoming a business owner. It's so much easier to be in control because you are the head. You are the, the center of the hive mind. You are everything and you can control how much goes out, how little goes out. It's never how little for high achievers. It's always how much more, (laughs) but like it was, it was so much, oh my gosh, I can control everything. And at first this was really exciting and there were definite positives to it. But as I got more burnt out, as I got more feeling like I can't handle this workload without burning out every single day, without feeling like I'm never enough, going back to those questions earlier, without feeling like I was constantly striving for more and more and more, because if I didn't, I would be complacent. I'd be mediocre. I'd be forgotten. I'd be falling behind. And it was so scary for me to even have the idea of trusting the process, the idea of trusting my true self, not Nicole Baker, the high achiever. I trusted her because she was always pushing for more and more and more and more and more. 
She was always relying on her work ethic. She was always relying on strategy. She never relied on releasing control because that was just like a foreign concept, a completely foreign concept. The reality of why we do not trust the process. And by the way, trusting the process really goes back to trusting ourselves, trusting our inner knowing, trusting our inner gut, our our self, our true self, not the self that we put on for others, not the high achiever personality that we've wrapped our entire world around, but trusting our true self. The reason we don't do that is because who the hell knows what's behind that curtain? That is Pandora's box that so many of us do not want to open because we feel like, and I I actually literally had this conversation with someone, we don't want to open Pandora's box because if we do, it might be a waste of time. I literally heard that from someone recently. And to be honest, I used to believe that. I used to believe that if I open Pandora's box, I'm going to be setting myself back months or years or days or hours or whatever, or I'm going to totally self-sabotage or I'm going to shoot myself in the foot when in reality, when I opened up that box, life was better than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. Did I have to crawl through some shit? Did I have to challenge some things in my head that, whoa, buddy, that was not healthy? Absolutely. My 100-hour-a-week work ethic was living in Pandora's box. I needed to challenge the absolute daylights out of that thing before I could say, okay, what would time off look like? And actually enjoy that question and not be like, let's go, not freak out at it, right? The reason we do not trust the process is because releasing control is so unknown. It is so scary. And our brain is literally programmed to not go behind that black curtain, to not go behind that mist, to stay in the known, to stay in the crystal clear sunlight that we know and love. Does it mean it's healthy for us? No, it just means we've done it before and we've survived it. And we've done it again and again and again. And it probably gave us some hit of feeling good and significant and feeling like we're worthy or feeling like we're, um, you know, getting attention or getting praise. It's an addiction staying in that sunny light. But behind that Pandora's box, behind that black curtain, behind that black mist is the, is the joy that comes with trusting the process. And it's so scary to like release and just like let something take you because especially if you're a high achieving perfectionist, you were always the someone who was holding up everything. So who the hell is going to catch you? And really So, and this is something I've realized about myself, honestly, in the past like two weeks, like it's been really recent. This is a, this is going to be a raw episode. I realized for the longest time, one of the reasons I was so afraid to trust the process is because I was terrified to let it be this good. I was terrified to let it be as good as it could be. I felt like I had to work my ass off in order to feel like I achieved something or accomplished something or was worthy of feeling proud or celebration or anything like that. I felt like I had to like hit this level of resistance and overcoming and crawling through the mud. I felt like it could never be easy because if it was, then it was complacency. If it was, then I wasn't working hard enough. And I was so afraid to release and let it go because I knew it was going to be easy. I knew things were going to feel good. I knew things it was going to it was going to be that good. 
And I was so hard on myself trying to be the best in the room, trying to be this like high striving achiever that was always better than the next day. And as a result, that made me want to just sink my talons in more of the control meter. I would just constantly be wanting more, more, more control, constantly be wanting more, more, more out of life that I was in charge of. And if I let go, if I released, if I just like laid back and let someone catch me, what if it was that good? What if it was easy? Then it wouldn't be worth anything. God, I just, I like, I'm, I think this is my first time really ever voicing this out loud. Um, thank God I don't rely on that anymore. There's some times where, you know, that perfectionist mindset, that default like comes back to bite my ass. And sometimes it it works. Sometimes I'm in it for a day. Sometimes I'm in it for a week. And actually just the other, just the other week, I was really in it for like a few days. And I messaged my, my lady. So I do a mastermind with, and I was like, Hey, I'm feeling this way. And one of them kindly, but I'll say the subtext. Nicole, you're fucking sinking your talons in. Release and let go. It gets to be this good. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And actually this morning, um, as I was going back and forth between the gym, I was doing like a nice bike ride because I'm training for 15K right now. And um, as a result of training for a 15K, you have to cross train. You cannot run every single day. You have to do late weightlifting, all that kind of stuff. And as I was bike riding, um, I just kept repeating over and over and over again in my head, it gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. On my way back from the gym, I was walking through the 14 degree snow blizzard that was like coming at me from like a sideways angle. And I just thought it gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. And I actually started like dancing on my way back from the gym. Thank God no one was around me or else they thought that I'd be a mental lunatic, but you know what? I don't care because it gets to be this good. And it, 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 it's still like trying to sink into me. And I think a lot of this does go, boil down to the fact that I have learned radical self-acceptance. I have learned radical self-trust. And as a result, I trust myself to lean back and say, it gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. So this is not, there's a lot of people who are not going to like me saying this, but I don't care. This is not a strategic shift. This is not something you plug into your week and say, good job, me. I can check this off my to-do list. This is an energetic shift. And I'll go ahead and tell you that the strategic shifts that I've done in my life have given me, you know, a little hit of good job, Nicole, a little hit on pet on the back. I've checked something off a to-do list. I've checked off a goal. Those strategic things don't mean shit if I don't have the energetics to back it up. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. Because energetic shifts, you don't see the metrics or the data behind that. You just feel the difference. And perfectionists, especially people who are constantly go, 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 really don't like feeling. It slows us down, quote unquote. I don't believe it does, but some people do. To name a feeling, to sit back and say, this is how I am feeling, can literally be as, quote unquote, slow. I don't think it's slow, but people believe so. 
as like being pulled through molasses. And it's not that way. This is how you shift that trusting the process. And again, this is how it gets to be that good. We always say when I achieve X, then I'll be happy. That is bullshit. Bullshit. You shift right now. You can be happy now. I'm not saying this toxic positivity shit. I'm not saying anything like that. But what I am saying is that you get to choose to fill your life with joy, with fulfillment, with freedom, with love, with whatever from an energetic shift. And then the success comes with it. Not because you hit a certain level, but because you just feel fulfilled. I don't know another way to say it. You just feel fulfilled every single day. And that trust is just pouring out of you. So I mentioned a little bit of how I used to sink my talons in and never trust the process, but um, I won't go too into details, but like a, a really good example is when I first started my business and I felt like I had to do everything, be everything, be on every platform, be in everyone's, you know, social media feeds. I felt like I had to, you know, also work the three jobs because that's how people struggle and that's how people overcome things. And I used to get so angry that things were not moving fast enough. I look back, things were moving at lightning speed because I was, but I was constantly looking at all the reasons or all the things that I hadn't achieved yet. So I felt like molasses. And I see this all the time with people. They're always looking at the things that they have not achieved yet. And then they feel so angry, so frustrated that it hasn't happened yet, that it's not happening. They forget and negate the 50,000 things they've done. And that used to be the, oh, when I achieve that, then I'll be happy. That's part of their daily life. And they don't feel that way because it's the next thing. So again, if you feel like you're exempt, I'm sorry, your brain is programmed when we're in this state to constantly look at next, 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 what's next, what's next. I'm frustrated. I'm not there yet. We will never feel fulfillment. That is actually long-term lasting. One of the things I also heard on this podcast this morning is that last, you can, you can always shame, guilt, self-hatred yourself into the next level. Always, always you can do that. And a lot of high achievers do. They rely on that as their motivation, but that is bull. Lasting, long-term happiness change comes from figuring out how to love yourself, figuring out that self-acceptance. Going back to those four questions, I can't get them out of my mind. I swear to God, I'm like, it's like this obsession that's rolling through my head. So we've hammered in, we've hammered in what trusting the process, why it's so flipping hard, why yada, 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 yada. This is not a podcast to just be like, hey, this is really hard. Good luck. It's possible that you can live it on the other side. And so many of us think, oh yeah, it's possible for you or, oh yeah, you know, maybe someday I just don't have the time for that right now. If that's you, rewrite your story, please. Nothing is more worth the time than learning how to love yourself. There was actually a study done recently that said that self-acceptance, self-love is the number one habit that we need to practice in order to live a happy life. The number one habit. And it is also the number one habit we are not doing. It breaks my heart. And I know, I, I know this as someone who 
who's done this, who's lived this for so long, who didn't have the quote unquote time to love herself, who didn't have the quote unquote time to slow down and listen to her inner thoughts in her head. I just wrote 10 paragraphs of, I'm going to totally pat myself on the back, pure genius. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was constantly hating myself. I did that because this has lived in my head and it was time for it to come out. So what are some examples that I've experienced with learning how to trust the process? This is a really heavy episode. I, this is, this is, it's funny because this is such a lighthearted topic in, on the surface level, but when we really get down into it, the fears, the core reasons why we're not doing it, it is, it is weighted. It is so weighted, but <laughs> some ways that I used to, excuse me, some ways that I now practice trusting the process. And I don't even know if I'd say practice some ways that I now have, have looked back and said, wow, that was me actually trusting the process. Good job, Nicole. That was really, really awesome. Good job. And the one that is without a doubt, the most groundbreaking life-changing moment of my life is when (laughs) I now look back on this. It's so funny. Um, when I first started dating my now fiance the second time. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, we actually met in college at freshman year orientation. I met him. We talked for probably an hour straight, just like joking around laughing. I looked up in his eyes and just saw this like person who I knew in my gut, I just knew in my gut, this person was going to change my life. I just, something in me said that. And I go back home because this was like a pre-freshman orientation. It was like a few months before we actually moved to the school. And um, I went back home and I went to my two best friends and I was like, I have just met the man I'm going to marry. I was totally in release. I was not expecting to meet him that day. I was not expecting in the slightest to look up and see my future husband, but there he was. However, control freak Nicole had a different plan. We get to school a few months later, we date and had this like radical, wonderful time together. And something clicked in my brain that said, you're not supposed to do this yet. You're not supposed to meet the man you're going to marry. You're not supposed to fall in love. You're supposed to go have wild and crazy years. He's not your wild and crazy years guy. He is marriage material guy. He is father of your children guy. You're not supposed to do this yet. And that was what was going on in my subconscious. My conscious mind was, that way he walks is weird. He doesn't walk weird. I was just looking for any excuse to get out because I was so in control freak of, "I, I can't do this yet. And long story short, broke up with him, broke his heart, still hurts me to this day to admit that. And we went off on our own for five years. We dated other people. We had radical rock bottoms and crawled out of them. And five years later, we were both in Chicago, totally separately. And he messaged our like alumni group and was like, Hey guys, like my um, acting studio, cause he was a casting director. My acting studio is um, doing a on-camera class. Would anyone like a discount? Would anyone like to join? 
And I was just coming out of a knee injury and I hadn't been able to get on the stage. I hadn't been able to get into classes. And I was like, oh my God, freaking finally. Yes, this is it. It was three in the morning. I was also drunk (laughs) explaining that. But something in my gut was just like, oh my God, this is it for you. Yeah, absolutely. I barely even looked at the name that was posting this. I didn't even realize it was Brett. And I get a call from him the next day as I'm getting ready to go to work. And I was working at a restaurant at the time. Um, And he's like, hey, so class starts tonight. Can you be there? And everything in my gut was like, no, you're not prepared. You don't have a monologue. You don't have a scene to work. You don't have X, Y, or Z. You're not prepared. You can't do this. But something took over me. Something true. I can't explain it any other than just like universal intervention. It just said, nope, shut up. We're guiding you here because you clearly cannot be trusted with this. And I just said, I will see you there. What time? He gave me the time. He gave me the address. And I will. I said, I'll be there. And over the next few weeks, I, you know, showed up at class. It was a blast. It was so much fun. Felt so good to be back in it. But the best part of it was, was that I started driving Brett home because I was the one who had a car in Chicago. You don't need a car. He didn't have one because he actually sold his to move up there. Um, but that's that's a whole other kitten caboodle story. We won't get into that. But um, another divine intervention, trusting the process story. I'll, I'll share it really quickly. It's actually not too long. Um, he ended up getting in a car totaling accident. Like, thank God he lived. Like it was almost like it it would have killed him if he was sitting in a different seat and the car was totaled and they offered him a check and they said, do you want to buy another car? He said, no, I'm going to move to Chicago. I need to get out of Oklahoma. And so that was him trusting the process, moving to Oklahoma. And a few months later, lo and behold, here we are. Now, a few months, here we are. Like a few months later, we got together, but um, started driving him home every single night. Cause again, I had the car and um, we just would talk and talk and talk and talk. And again, it was just like something in my gut was just like, stay here, stay here, be here. And I, I didn't logically know I was trusting the process. I didn't logically know I was trusting my gut. Um at least not until a few weeks later when we finally went on our first date that I did not, I refused to even believe it was a date there. See, there's that control. It still snuck in a little bit. Um, but we went back to his place and we just started talking and he asked to kiss me and I said, okay. And in that moment, everything in me was like, fucking finally, girl, you're freaking letting it go. But in my head, the next day, especially then my head, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Oh my God, did I just start something that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have started. We've done this before. Maybe we shouldn't do this again, yada, yada, yada. Like I can't even describe this moment as anything else, but my body just being taken over by another body and just being guided. Like, I don't know what else, because in the next few weeks after that, after that moment that things just shifted I I can't describe it as anything, but I was just like, this is right. This is right. And everything in my control freak mindset was like, you've done this before. What do you think you're doing? But I'm like, no, this is right. This is right. And now here we are over five years later and life is awesome. Life is amazing. And life with him is everything I wanted it to be and more. And so like, whenever I think about trusting the process, that is the example that comes up as number one, hands down, that was the moment that I think I cracked the code. 
And it's shown up in a million different ways since then. Like, I mean, this masterclass that I'm doing later today, that is absolutely me trusting the process. I've had a few people reach out to me being like, aren't you nervous? Like, oh my God, 200 people plus, like, aren't you nervous? Are you excited? Like, what are you feeling? And I'm like, I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous at all because I wrote this thing. (laughs) I created this thing. It existed from my brain. Therefore, I trust myself to just let it come out the day that it happens. And everything that needs to be said is going to be said. And that is saving me a lot of sleep. Let me tell you, it's saving me a lot of sleep, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And I just don't feel it. I just don't. And it's, it's weird. It's very, um, uh, alien. Um, you know, like, I mean, I've opened up a little bit about like doing now work for a TEDx company here. And that was an entirely moment of just like trusting the process. Cause I was thrown into this leadership position at last minute and something that I've never done before. And I just had to roll with the punches and everything was being guided. I just trusted myself to figure it out the day that it happened. Like that it, it it's not because this is just something that just like boops me on the head, like a little magic trusting the process fairy. Like I set myself up daily and this is, this is now where we're getting into the tacticals, my sweet strategic friends. I set myself up daily where this is just a natural occurrence in my head. So for instance, every single day I do a daily meditation. I should say every single weekday, I take the weekend weekends off because I am a human and everyone needs just rest. Um, but I do a daily meditation and I also do a daily priming practice, which is like a visualization breath work thing. Um, I do that every day during the weekdays. Like that is a setup process for me to just get quiet and get into my body. I never work till exhaustion ever. I practice releasing control all the time in my business. And I have to sometimes be reminded of that by um, my mom's the best reminder. She always says, trust the dance, trust the dance, trust the dance. And that to me and to her is just like, it's the timetable that you're stressing out about is fucking fake. Get over it, stop it and release. It's all going to happen in the time that it's meant to. And this to me is never me saying like, okay, well then I'm just going to go scroll through TikTok or okay, then I'm just going to go numb out with the TV. Like that to me is not trusting the process. For me, trusting the process is getting quiet. It's releasing control. It's enjoying my life. Like that sounds so cheesy, but that's what it is. For me, trusting the process is enjoying my life full stop. And that's going to look different for everyone. And I also have my friends, my entrepreneur ladies, who my mastermind, who I'll say something into them, into their, into our little like boxer group. And they'll just be like, well, release fucking control, Nicole. (laughs) Cause like, it's so sneaky. We don't realize we're doing it until it's like someone's calling us out on it. So I couldn't find any neurological science behind how to release control. Step one, step two, step three. So I'm pulling from my own experiences here, but here's the three-step process if I had to boil it down into three steps of how to release control. Now, like I said earlier, this is not a strategic thing for me. This is very much, yeah, I set myself up each day to feel it, but I could do the same things and not feel it. It's not It's not about the strategy behind it. It's about me taking the time 
to create that energetic shift from within. That is so important. But if I had to boil it down into a three-step process, it would be number one, identifying what you're feeling fear over. This is why we feel like we need to be in control. So for me, with bread, for example, when, you know, I was like, oh my God, no, this is not right. Like you need to like stop. And it was like, wait, that's my control brain. Like I'm, I'm something in my guts, me and my whole body really is taking over and saying, do this, like, go, you sweet summer child, like go, go, go. And if I had listened to that fear, it was all a fear of what I was so afraid of when I was 18, that fear of things, letting, letting things be that good, letting yourself be loved that much as someone who was in, we're getting real deep. Someone who was in domestic violence relationships, someone who was cheated on, someone who was verbally abused, someone who was literally thrown into walls and downstairs and had to lie about the bruises on my arms, letting things be that good in a relationship was terrifying. But if I had listened to that control, I would not be marrying the man of my dreams in June. I would not be sitting on the couch each night with my best friend laughing and just enjoying life. God, I love him. He's amazing. Um, Number two, focus on the internal, not the external. This is all going back to that self-love, baby. So if I focused on just the external, trying to make strategic things happen, I would be back in control mode. I would be back in the driver's seat versus if I focus on that internal shift, releasing, that is when that self-love, that self-trust comes in. And that is non-negotiable. That is part of the gimmick here. Um, And last but not least, number three, practice. This is not a one and done situation, my friends. We do not go to the gym, do one crunch and get a six pack. That's not how this works. Instead, this is something about practicing letting go, creating that visual reminder. So for me, um, I don't have a visual one. I have four people in my life who, who, um, or five people in my life, excuse me, who are just like constantly like, Hey, trust the process. Hey, trust the process. Nicole Baker, trust the process. And, um, And for me, it's like having someone to break my pattern, having someone to get me out of that. Now, luckily it's getting to the point of so often that I'm able to crack myself on my own patterns sometimes, not always, but most of the time. And that's really great. I'm very, very grateful for that. But, um, practice is number, number 45,000 things on all the personal development lists of how to do it. It is all practice. It is all practice. It is all practice. Perfectionists. Do you hear me? It is all practice. It's not about getting it right on the first try. Um, cause we're humans. We're not supposed to, and that's me trusting the process of being a human being. Oh, my friends, this is a big topic. And I feel like we just have skimmed the surface. But um, I'm going to go ahead and get into some segments and be sending you all on our merry way. I'm going to prepare for this masterclass and just having an absolute blast. So quick segments. Number one, how was I a perfectionist this week? Um, We talked about this in the episode, but and how my friends call me out on this. But um, just recently, things have been going better than I could ever have imagined. Like things are just feeling good. Things are always like, it feels like everything's really in alignment. It feels like everything's working and it's way bigger than I am. And that's amazing. That fills me with joy that I can't even imagine 
feeling constantly. And I was messaging my friends and I was like, I feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Something's going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for that. And that's where one of my friends messaged me with the, the phrase of it gets to be this good. What if it just gets to be this good? And I've been listening to like Abraham Hicks and, and people who are just constantly preaching that it gets to be this good. And, you know, as a society, we're always like, you know, looking for the drama. We're always looking for the, the pain, the suffering, because that's how we're wired. That's, I, we don't have enough time to get into that today, but it's, it's really just how we're wired. And so I was looking for all these reasons why it doesn't get to be this good, why it doesn't get to be amazing. And that's why this whole mantra in my head is just over and over again. It gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. And things feel so much lighter. It feels so much easier. It feels so much more enjoyable. And so that perfectionist mindset of like waiting for the other shoe to drop really kicked me in the ass. And thank God I had people in my life to just like shove it away from me. Um, And last but not least, goal to celebrate. We recently got a new car. I'm so excited. It is beautiful. We got a 2023 um, Mazda and I am just over the moon. And actually this is kind of in the perfectionist also how I was perfectionist this week. Brett and I were driving it around and I was almost like, do we get to have something that's nice? It doesn't feel like we get to have something this nice. And again, going back to it, it gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. It gets to be this good. And um, it's just this amazing thing. But one of the big reasons why this is like the goal to celebrate is because one of the things I was really nervous into going and getting a car is negotiations. You know, we hear about the car salesman. I've never been in a car um, sales environment. So I, I just, this is my first time ever doing it. And I was totally afraid, if I'm being honest, I was totally afraid of, you know, getting, um, uh, you know, having, you know, things come up and all it was just, I was, I was afraid of being taken advantage of, advantage of, if I'm being honest. And <laughs> first and foremost, looked up, listened to podcasts on how to negotiate, how to be a really good negotiator, ended up doubling the price of the car that we were trading in as a result of being really good at negotiating and ending up bringing down our car way, 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 way down. And just kind of saying like, wow, we really kicked ass at that. Like that was really good for us. Like, awesome. Way to go. And, um, that's just a goal to celebrate. It was just something that I was nervous about and it was fun. I can't believe I'm saying this is actually kind of a fun experience. And, um, I, I really enjoyed the process and now I get to really enjoy a brand new car for contrast. We were driving a 2007, um, Accord, previous. And now it's like this beautiful, sleek car play, you know, sport mode car that, um, oh, I could, I just could kiss it. I could kiss the ground it drives on. Let me tell you. Oh, sweet, beautiful friends. I love you. I love you. I love you all. Thank you so much for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you did. Please share it with a friend. If you have someone in your life who you would also like to pose those four questions to at the beginning, please share this with a friend. Please share this with them. And and tell me, I, I'm I'm really really obsessed. I'm really really wanting to know the answers that you guys have here. Um, if you want to share this on social media, please do. It's how a lot of people hear about the podcast. You can go to Instagram and press share and tag me at Life Coach Baker. I'd love to give you a hug. Um, and sweet beautiful friends, that's all we got today. I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. Every single episode, I want to try to say just how much you all mean to me. How much you all have 
been here as a part of this huge, big transformation. I'm grateful. I cannot wait to pour every single ounce of it back into you and back into this audience because that is my mission here. And you mean more to me than I will ever be able to tell you in a podcast episode. I adore you all. Have an amazing day and we'll talk later. Bye.